Hey, Rubes. Yeah. I'm Batman. <laughs> Welcome to this episode. Today, I had a great chat with Mick Breen. Mick is a myotherapist and personal trainer and also foot guru. He drops some amazing knowledge about feet and why we should wear certain shoes and what we should be doing to help our overall health and well-being. So sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Hey, Mick, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, beautiful. So, um, mate, up to this point, what's gotten you here? What have you been up to? What have you been doing? What does your life look like up to this stage? Good question. Um, basically, what I do now, I'm a myotherapist, movement coach, kind of just all things health and fitness and movement and just getting out of pain and helping human beings get to their potential with their bodies. Like big passion for me is just helping people realize what they can do to use their body to their best ability, get rid of all these little injuries and niggles and use your body to experience the world. Cause um, you know, like we only have one body once it goes, it's pretty hard to come back. Um, and just showing people the getting people on the right journey of like how we can get out of pain, like unnecessary pain, unnecessary injuries, um like with my own journey myself playing rugby since the age of five all the way through to when i had to retire at 26 due to injuries um three acl reconstructions within four years of each other pretty devastating started doing a lot more research myself after i went through these injuries and realized that a lot of it could have been prevented you know 90 of these injuries we see today on the footy field and just in everyday life are very much preventable with what we do in our everyday lives, what we do at home, what we do at school, at work, all that put together. And um, unfortunately, what I came back to was it kind of all starts in school when the moment we turn five years old, we're given a full-time desk job once, once we start school, like sit in the desk, sit down, shut up, don't move, listen. And the kids who were like the troublemakers fidgeting around, moving too much, it's like, right, get out of them, they're diagnosed with ADHD or something just because they want to move. It's, it's crazy. Um, and it's just a horrible cycle. Once you've had those first 15 what plus years of school, most of us go on to a sedentary desk job. And, you know, over that time, you just get tighter and tighter and weaker and weaker. And no wonder we've got an epidemic of lower back pain, foot pain, knee pain, hip pain, headaches, migraines, just, all that and like a lot of it can come back to just how to move the body. Um, the society we live in, you know, pre-pandemic is, you know, it's very sedentary. We're not moving. We're not fit and healthy. Yes, we can go to the gym, but too many people think that that one hour of the gym each day can counteract of eight hours of sat at a desk and of an hour or two in the car and of a two hours sat down eating and watch TV. It's just, yeah, like people just don't realize what they're doing to their body um, with just very insignificant things of just simply sitting in a chair and wearing the, the wrong pair of shoes. Um, so, yeah, so that's where I'm at with that moment. And it's like the future is just trying to, like, say, educate as many humans as possible to find out how to use their body properly. And it's not about adding to the body. It's not about doing more. It's more about doing less, like less sitting um less wearing shoes 
Um, they're, they're the two biggest ones. Like I can always come back to the whole sedentary lifestyle, sitting down, sitting posture, and the ill-fitting shoes that most of us wear. Um, we're kind of with the shoes as well. Like there's some crazy stats, like 89% of people are walking around with shoes that are too small for themselves. Um, and it's amazing what we can do with the feet when they are barefoot. Um, but unfortunately, you look at most people's feet today, they're kind of pointy, molded to the shoes they wear. Um, unfortunately, the, the widest part of most people's feet today are at the, the knuckle joint when it should be the toes. You look at a nice um, baby or toddler's feet, nice and displayed, strong, beautiful, mobile. You look at a middle-aged person, especially middle-aged female, wearing a lot of high heels or tight shoes, and it just looks like a triangle. It's crazy. And that's and the thing is that a lot of the shoes these days are so pointy, aren't they? Yeah, and like it's, it's funny, like the majority of shoe companies don't know what feet look like. It's like they have no idea what the feet do. <laughs> yeah. It's all about that fashion over function. Yeah. And it's built up over years. Like the fashion started back in, oh, I don't know, like, centuries ago uh, like with king louis he, he wanted to be taller so they gave him a heel raise and stuff comes from there and um it's just never developed and we're only just slowly starting getting into like the milliner side of thing the barefoot side of things and actually realize the potential we're missing from using our feet and all we want to do is wear nike air jordans or the high heels and just makes look good even though it's destroying everything above the feet which is everything it's crazy it's a, and that's the that's a really good point. Um, you know how much of a how much of an impact our the rest of our health and body has uh, based on our feet and our feet health. Um, in yeah. the docu- in the documentary, um, the last dance with Michael Jordan, in the last season yes. that he played with the Bulls, he put on one of his original Air Jordans, and his Ripped feet were trash. Yeah, yeah, and just the technology in improvements, but even still, they can be better. Yeah, it's crazy. Even seeing uh, recently, there was a picture of LeBron James's feet that went viral on the yep. internet and they're all mangled and stuff. I mean, like this is one of the most elite athletes on the planet and yep. his feet are absolutely terrible. And you think how much he could have improved by wearing a different pair of shoes, but he has to wear the basketball shoes because they're made for basketball. Yeah. Um, and yes, there's sport specific shoes, but most of them are still pretty damn bad. And But the <laughs> thing is, most people, especially a lot of young kids are wearing basketball shoes as the everyday shoes mm. they don't put basketball in them so it's crazy the um the damage just everyday shoes can do to not just your feet but ankles knees hips lower back yeah. spine head everything is crazy it's all connected it's it's amazing so you're kind of uh very passionate by this by the sound of it about the feet and the body yeah like, i get a lot of a lot of jokes around saying i got a foot fetish but I always, I always like to say it's a professional foot fetish. Yeah. Um, and every time like I get someone new in the clinic or in the gym and try to explain to them the reason why it's best to be barefoot, barefoot shoes and that. And like just the, the light bulbs that go off in people's heads think, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. And like, mm. it's just, it's education that we've never had. Yeah. It's like, you just wear what the adverts tell us to do, what, the latest Nikes or latest ASICs are telling us to do because they've got all the money, all the technology and the amount of crazy technology they've got in shoes today is crazy. And I think the, the biggest passion behind it for me is because shoes and football boots pretty much attributed to ruining my, my career. Right. 
I was on the pathway to go in professional with rugby and the shoes, I believe, and the footy boots attributed a lot to my failure with my knees. Mm. So like, is this one of the big reasons why I got into my therapy and the movement side of things is because I didn't want young athletes going through what I went through because it was, it was devastating, yeah. absolutely yeah. devastating. And I, you know, I wouldn't wish it on my closest enemy because you just take away these, these young dreams for a young athlete. And the, when, once you lose your dream, like the more stories you hear again, 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 about, Oh, I had this injury. I had this injury. I, I had injury. And it's devastating. And there's just too many stories that like say before could have been so easily prevented. And it's really interesting too, because it's like whoever taught us how to get proper fitting shoes. Generally, it was like, you know, ill, ill-trained store uh, assistants or our parents. Exactly, yeah. And you, but you go get your foot measured. And like I said before, like the biggest part, the widest part of our feet should be the toes, but we get measured at the knuckle. No one cares about what your toes are doing. And that function of the big toe is huge. And so you just think it's the normal thing to do. Um, and one of the other things that kind of relates to it as well is the whole thing around uh, running. Um, the crazy stats tell us that 80% of just recreational runners get injured every year. And it's, statistically, it's one of the most dangerous sports to take up. Really? And Yeah. And you think like if footy or cricket or netball had those stats on them at a young age, like there's no way their parents would let them play. Mm. But the thing is, we're, we're running like we were designed to be, we evolved as humans to be the most efficient runners on the planet. And then these bloody shoes start coming along. Like the, the modern day running shoe got invented back in the seventies by Nike. And they hypothesized back then that uh, to run fast, you need a longer stride. So what a longer stride created was overstriding and heel striking. So you land your heel first, but what they were running back in them, flat pumps and, They'd hit the heel first and it was hurting. So Bill Bauman, the um, he co well, kind of co-founded Nike. He was the Olympic um, sprint coach or running coach. And he added this cushion heel to help his runners stop hurting them. And this was in the 70s. And 50 years later, we've still got this same heel. And it's proven that overstriding is detrimental to your efficiency in running. So instead and- of actually fixing the problem... Let's just put a cushion there to get exactly. rid of the problem. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the way we do with any injury. Like you've got foot pain. Here's an orthotic. You've got back pain. Here's a back brace. Yeah. It's knee pain. Here's a knee brace. Exactly. Yeah. Like with the, we're treating symptoms, not the actual cause of what's going on. Exactly. And you look more and more at shoes today with like, with heel counters, but he arch supports toe springs, these stupid twisted spring things that apparently make you run faster. It's all a load of baloney. Um, when we've got all the technology and power and speed and everything in our natural feet, like we've got big Achilles for a reason. Mm. It's the biggest tendon on the body. Like it helps us spring and go forward. We evolved to be that way. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things I learned a few years ago is how we actually became the most efficient running species on the planet is humans evolved to sweat. Yep. We're the only species on the planet out of any animals who sweat. Like you look at dogs when they're tired, they have to, they're they're panting. Yeah. Whereas humans sweat to auto regulate our body temperature 
to allow us to keep going and going and going to run our prey to deaths. Mm. Whereas barely anyone can keep running and running today, apart from your elite athletes. Most people go hundred meters down the road and have to stop for 10 minutes to catch their breath. Yeah. Um, and like one of the crazy things you see is um, I read, um, I don't know if you heard of Kelly Starrett from the ready state. Yep. He, uh, in his book, ready to ready to run Oh no, and, and his um oh deskbound. Yeah. He um he observed his 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 young girl going to school, like the first, second grade, they were running beautifully, beautiful technique. As soon as he got to like the third, fourth grade, they all started to heel strike, they're all inefficient, they can't run as far. Really? And the only the only thing that's changed in their everyday habits is they've been sitting down at school. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And um, basically, that's the start of our lifelong struggle with movement and, and running because you're stuffed into these awfully tight, rigid Boxes. school shoes. And you're also stuck in a desk all day for six, seven, eight hours. Shut up, don't move, listen. When the body is designed to move. And so that's why we get all these crazy little soft tissue niggles, injuries. Interesting. Pain. And yeah, so... People are now obviously conditioned to the shoes they're wearing because they've been wearing for so long. Yeah. And it takes, it's not an easy transition back to barefoot, back to barefoot shoes. Cause I remember when the barefoot craze came out, oh, it'd be 10, 12 years ago now, you know, when the, mm -hmm. the Vibrant Five Fingers came out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, oh, these are amazing. But then so many people went out and started running in these shoes. They've gone from this cushion high heel to absolutely nothing. And they've, brain's basically gone to where the hell is my cushioning gone yeah Achilles snap calf snap and straight away um people are like oh these are stupid why would i do this we're getting injured and everything and it's a similar thing with um with crossfit when crossfit first came in again same round yeah. about time 10 12 years ago everyone was loving this new form of movement but people were getting injured mm. because we, they were just going 100 miles an hour i'll snatch this clean and jerk this looks good but there was no coaching it's the exact same thing with feet and shoes no yeah. one was taught how to transition to these shoes mm. how to condition your feet um and it's a similar thing just recently with the sit stand desks um in the office place where people yeah. are, are getting the education around standing up more but they've been going from sitting down all day to potentially trying to stand up all day and hurt themselves even more because they haven't conditioned themselves to the stand-up desk so it's just zero to a hundred in all yeah. these different circumstances and, it's and just no really education important. on what a good standing posture is or uh, no. yeah and and no soft tissue work if you've got a tight muscle you can't necessarily just stand it better exactly yeah and like with most people today especially in the men's side of things like we don't get it fixed we think oh, i should be right especially good old you know classic aussie male should be right yeah should be right mate and you know these little niggles and injuries start with a little whisper they go, oh, be fine, it'll go away. A few weeks later, it's a little bit louder, a bit louder, and then start screaming at you, and it's too late. You could have fixed something in the very first couple of weeks that would have taken you a few days to get over. Now it's a good few weeks, good few months, just from not listening to the body. And we're just so disconnected and aware, unaware of how our body is. And it, big that big thing of that comes back to the shoes on feet because we're not connecting to the ground like there's the whole thing about grounding how we're supposed to connect to the ground connect to mother nature but it's actually more of connecting to yourself 
because you create the awareness, you create that feeling through the, the nerves and senses on the bottom of the feet to find muscles that you don't know how to use and all that. So being barefoot just, oh, it trumps anything for the body. Oh, I love it, man. And what's really interesting, one of my cool facts is like there's 206 bones in the body, but there's 26 bones in each foot. Yep. So it's like you look at it and it's like there's 52 bones in the feet alone. Yeah. 33 um, joints in each foot as well. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And like the one a good analogy I always use when trying to explain to people about shoes and the effects is the good old hiking boot. Like we spend anywhere up to three, four hundred dollars on these amazing hiking boots when they're actually the worst boot shoe to go hiking with. Really? Yeah. Well, Cause you've got the 26 bones, 33 joints. Yeah moment you put on a big solid boot turns yep. that whole system into one joint huh. it stops it from moving you think about when you you're hiking you're about to step on a rock you, your foot wants to be able to articulate around it to continue through but because you're about this far off the ground your foot cannot sense this rock so it can't then send the message to the brain to help it out so it's basically blindfolded you're blindfolding your feet with most shoes and especially hiking shoes. So you hit this rock, ankle starts to roll. There's no signal to the brain, please switch my glutes on, switch my hips on, my core on to help me get around this. So then sprain ankle, but then the ankle's stuck in there. So what's the next port of movement? Poor old knee. Yeah, right. The knee's gonna go. Whereas if you're in a mirror more, if you're barefoot in a barefoot shoe, because your foot is perceiving the potential danger, yeah, it's already turning the signals onto the brain. Right, here's my glute. Switch it on. Go around it, and it just just happens naturally. See, that's a brilliant yeah. point because you look at the foot, and there's like it can the circles that it can turn, whereas the knee just should be flexion extension. Exactly, the knee. Like I always say about the knee is it's got the middle child syndrome between. Yeah it's younger sister in the foot and his older brother in the hips. It's always stuck between like 90% of the time. It's never the knee's fault. So yeah. immobile feet or immobile hips. Interesting. And gets, yeah. And like you, you look at skiers as well, where do they tend to break their leg? Wherever the boot finishes. Really? Yeah. So where the stiffness is. Yeah. Well, cause the, the, all the ankle and the foot is all stuck there. So it can't right. move. So yeah. something's got to move. A hundred percent. There's got to be give somewhere. And it's yeah. either in a natural place or an unnatural place. Exactly, yeah. And then the other example is in netball. ASICs basically own netball here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And you see the size of these shoes, like they're this far off the ground, like their foot finishes here, but the shoe finishes here. Um, and again, like they add in ankle braces because they're always rolling the, their ankles. It's like, yeah. so you've already got the stiff rigid shoe make the ankle even more rigid by the by adding an ankle brace again what's going to move it's the knee how many middle-aged women do complain about having netball knees interesting yeah is it actually the is it actually a knee problem or is it a immobility in the foot problem or ankle yeah yeah and like you look at all the um like aboriginal kids and um all the african runners growing up they're all barefoot you know who are the best long distance runners in the world kenya all, all those countries around there because they've never worn shoes. We've just deconditioned ourselves to fit to be told that we need shoes to increase performance. And yes, there are sports specific shoes. You need studs in footy. 
you need spikes in golf and stuff like yeah. that. But there's so many other attributes to this to the shoes, which has mm. caused so many dramas. Like one of the biggest things I think is one of the number one causes for plantar fasciitis is you see the toe spring at the front of the shoe. You look at most shoes, you put it flat on the ground, the toe spring, so the toe will be stick up. Yeah. I mean, why is that? Mm. If the shoe was flat, it's not rounded. No, it's not. You look at your feet, we're flat on the ground. Yeah. But the, they add in this toe spring because if the shoes are too rigid, if you would try to walk, if it was flat, the toes cannot extend the shoe to move. Ah. So they've added in that toe spring to allow you to rock through. However, if you put your hand like this, do this now, yep. extend your toe, sorry, extend your fingers, you'll feel your palm tighten up. Yeah. That's your plantar fascia tightening up on the bottom of the foot. Now, you add in a heel raise, your plantar fascia is basically looking like a hammock. Your plantar fascia should only contract as your foot comes off the ground and hits the ground again. Right. So there should be and a fair bit of relaxation through the plantar fascia. Exactly. Whereas, because when it's the old windless mechanism where when that plantar fascia tightens up, that stiffens the foot to allow mm-hmm. you to hit the ground, allow you to run to keep mm-hmm. you strong and stable. But that plantar fascia is on 24-7 in a shoe with a toe spring in the heel race. Interesting. And you know, there's so many plantar fasciata groups out there say, right, you got to stretch it, you got to stretch it. Like those, yeah. spl- those splints they wear at nighttime, yep. they're just making it worse. Because it's already, it's already in a stretch position. The bottom of your foot is already in a stretch position. It needs to just relax. Exactly, exactly. And some of the treatments you hear about, and then people go in and get surgery. Like, and they go in and cut out some of the plantar fascia when... It's crazy. No, they're not addressing the shoes. And then unfortunately with the majority of podiatrists, like there's some really great ones out there, but most of them are just giving out orthotics to support the foot. Yes, they get rid of pain, which is awesome. But most people who I see who got orthotics, they've been given them five, 10, 15, 20 plus years ago and were never given a, a map to get out of them. Yeah, that's, like, that's key. Yeah, and like you don't go to a therapist with um, neck pain, come out with a neck brace. Yeah. You treat it. Yeah, you treat it, you stretch it, you mobilize it, you strengthen it. It's the exact yeah. same for our feet. But unfortunately, feet are treated so differently. That is so, so funny. Crazy. Like literally, you go to, the, you go to the, the chiro or the physio or the massage to get a neck treatment and you don't come out with a brace realistically, do you? But no. you've got a foot problem, we'll give you an orthotic. Yeah. Yeah. And orthotics have their place. They really do in very extreme cases. But you shouldn't really be an orthotic for longer than a week, in my opinion. Because yes, wow. let's get out there. Wow. So then yeah. what? So then someone has been in these ridiculously stupid new shoes that look great but aren't functional and they've got issues all over the body. Where do they start? What do they do? Well, this thing, like, it's not as simple as just getting rid of these orthotics because the body is now conditioned to this position and this they're kind of strong in those positions. That's the new normal. It, it really is. And, like, you look at, um, again, sedentary desk workers, they're strong in that seated position. Yeah, interesting. So 
they can sit there all day long. Yes, they've got a few niggles and pains, but then as soon as they go to do something functionally, lift their arms overhead, pick up their kid, they hurt themselves. And even like, just the first 10 steps out of the chair. Yeah. And how many people have you heard have hurt themselves by putting on their shoes and socks? It's sneezing, coughing. Yeah. I mean, that did not screw your back up. Yeah. It's, it's a cool analogy I've seen recently is like if a, a um, beaver's been gnawing away at a tree in the forest for weeks and weeks and weeks, then goes away as suddenly the wind blows over the tree. It wasn't the wind who knocked it down. It was yeah. the weeks and weeks and weeks of the beaver's work yeah. that weakened it. So it's the same for the sedentary lifestyle, sitting in the chair. It's the same for the orthotics in the shoes. Um, it's changing these habits to not allow these awful injuries and movements and stuff to happen later on because um, the body is pretty damn resilient. It will yeah. put up with a lot of shit, but it will get to the point where it's had enough. Yeah. And when that happens, oh, you know about it. Mm. So, and that's the thing is that realistically, we're not born into shoes. You look at all the different tribes in around the world, there's no shoes. Um, was, was any human being born with shoes on their feet? No, no. And then <laughs> crazy they were. Yeah. I actually had this one client come in once where the baby wouldn't walk and they've been to all the different neurologists and all this type of stuff. And there's nothing neurologically or physically wrong with this baby. And what's really interesting is I took the shoes off and then their baby was able to crawl. And within a couple of weeks, the baby was able to walk. They were a very wealthy couple and they had these amazing shoes on the baby. And yeah, <laughs> that was actually the problem. It's crazy. Isn't it? Like the moment any toddler starts to walk, they're wrapped in these little, little Adidas shoes or little, yeah. um, you know, all-star shoes and what kids like wearing shoes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I, I think about my kids and they all booted them off. Exactly. And that's what you want to do. I mean, another good way to think about it is, you know, when you see those funny videos, when dogs have socks put on their feet yeah, and they, they look like they're blood dancing because <laughs> they, they can't interact with the ground. They can't feel it. 70% of our senses pretty much come from our feet. Interesting. And we're, we're blindfolding them. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing what you can do when you start taking your shoes off and just so, the. So, people that have feet issues, how, how does that relate up the body? How does that relate upstream? So, it's like they got a foot problem or they got an ankle issue. Like, what sort of ramifications does that have upstream? Well, like I just said, like the feet are now blindfolded to natural terrain, natural ground for the brain to be stimulated and switch on certain muscles. So the actual, the big toe and the glute actually work hand in hand. If you can't get full toe extension of your big toe, you're not going to be able to get full hip extension. So the leg behind the hip to mm. then allow for full glute function. Hmm. So most people are walking around as a shuffling around because they don't have that ability to get that hip extension then you add in the whole seated position when you're stuck in hip flexion it's not the fact that you're just getting tight you're actually getting weak in that position so the brain is never in that fully hip extended position so it just forgets about it right so then when your feet are flat on the floor in a chair for example we should be able to lift the big toe up off the ground independently yeah you should be able to lift each toe independently each toe each toe, yeah. 
I can't do it because I wore fo- footy boots for so long. So it's I'm doing that now, and I've got yeah. <laughs> yeah <I'm... laughs> I mean, m- most people can probably move their big toe by itself. Yeah, but they can't. But they'll probably move the other four toes by themselves. Interesting, because I've even seen some people where their little toe isn't even touching the floor, or they've got those toes that go straight in the last little joint. And they kick over to the side. Yep. Yep. All all very Bunions. common. And it, like the big thing was with bunions with the big toe all those myths going around and saying the bunions are genetic. Oh, my mom had bunions, so I've got bunions. I'm like, no, you may be a bit more predisposed to it with laxing tissue and that, but you weren't born with a bunion. Mm. Shoes have completely changed the shape of that toe. Interesting. So then again, if you're pushing that toe in even further, like you can't get that full toe extension. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't get that full toe extension, you can't get a strong arch on the inside of your foot, which then links to the glute function. Our arches are actually um, created from our glutes. Right. So therefore, it's like a, a nice, uh, strong ass, a nice, strong butt helps with a good arch. Exactly. I mean, there's a reason why human beings have big butts. Right. We're the only, again, the only species who've gone from the quadruped to bipedal standing up. Yeah, and we need those glutes to keep us upright. But again, you go back to the majority of people who sit down on their butts all day long, mm. they become inactive. They, we get glute amnesia because mm. we just don't know how to use it. Yeah. So then, we, then we do go to try to use it. Glutes aren't there, so quads start to work. Overwork. You can pretty much touch anybody on the outside quad, and they'll tell you to get the hell off me because it's super super tight. Lower back starts to play its role, which it doesn't want to. So there's your one in 10 people in the world have had lower back pain. Um, And then you then again, take that towards the running side of things. If you don't use your glutes in running, quads are going to be overused. Lower back's going to be overused. Mainly calves are going to be overused. So you'll just continually hurt yourself. And that's where these little soft tissue injuries are coming from because most people don't know how to use their booty. Interesting. And I've seen, I've seen some people like they've got these monstrous calves, these monstrous quads, and they've got no ass. No, it's flat as a pancake. It's crazy. Cause we're so anteriorly dominated. We're so quad dominated because again, we go back to the chair where you don't really go below parallel when you're sitting down. So sitting up, standing up, yep. standing up, sitting down is all from the quads. Yeah. All from the quads. Yeah. And the glutes just have forgotten about absolutely forgotten about and see i guess the traditional thing too you go into the gym and we do squats whereas we probably should be doing more hip hinges or deadlifts or something like that definitely yeah and um the thing with the squat like yes we all need to squat below parallel ask the grass for sure but the thing is we've kind of butchered the squat like we don't have a squat problem we have a barbell problem humans have been squatting for thousands and thousands and thousands of years you know natural sandbags rocks and all that um heavy awkward objects as soon as this barbell comes along put on your back you've then got to think about right i've got to squeeze my core i've got to make sure i'm breathing i've got to make sure my feet are in the right place i've got to put yep. my knees out I've got to get... whereas you pick up an awkward object say like a sandbag and a bear hug and you just naturally <laughs> squat yeah but also you think about when in everyday life do you ever load the spine in the bottom of a squat yeah never never if you want to be a good Olympic lifter, crossfitter, yep. powerlifter, yep. awesome. But that's a very small minority. 
See, when we're picking up a beast that we've just, you know, killed for the family, it's not conveniently placed at shoulder height in a rack, is it? No, you've got to deadlift it. You've got to hinge it. Yeah. So most people are not efficient in the hinge. Like how many people do you hear doing their backs during, during a deadlift, barbell <clears throat> deadlift? Well, and I know, I know like during this interview right now, you're standing up, I'm sitting down, I'm leaning <laughs> forwards. Then all of a sudden it's like, I've got that curved spine going on. Yeah. And like the beauty of being able to stand up, like my desk doesn't even go down. Like I'm, you, you'll probably notice I, I yeah. shuffle. I fidget yeah. and like I've got something in my hand. I can't, I throw stuff around. It allows me to move where you can get so stuck and comfortable in a chair. Mm. It may, yes, it's supporting you, but the thing is the body should be supporting us. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're not using your core, your glutes or any stabilizers to sit down because the chair is your brace. Whereas you stood up, like I'm on my feet. I can use my toes. I'm, I can squeeze my butt. Yep. I'm up right. I'm not in yep. that flexed head position. Oh, man. And how many people do you see these days where their head's forward of their body and then they start to get that lump at the base of their, their spine? Good old dowager's hump. And yeah. Um, yeah, and like they say that that hump is irreversible. Right. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I yep. believe it can be reversed, mm. but it's going to take 15, 20 plus years because that's how long it took to develop. Right. All it is is the brain saying, to, well, because they're so used to being in that position. So the brain's like, oh, I need to make you strong in this position. So let's put some connective tissue down. Let's put some layers down to keep you strong. But then what does this position then do for everything else? Mm. But the horrific thing we see now is you see kids as young as five, six, seven-year-olds with these humps on their necks because they're stuck in phones. Well, and that's the thing is there's even, I think they've got a term called a uh, text, uh, text neck or something text like that. Yeah. 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 They said it's diagnosed in kids as young as five in America. Wow. Because it's, it's very funny. Like I'm reminded of a story. My mum had bunions and she had them surgically removed, not once, but twice. Like they grew oh. back. Wow. Um, so, in, but the thing is, is that there was no plan to help her to stand in a functional way or, or a more, more uh, accurate way or, or a more productive way. Yeah. It's just go in, slice, dice, chop it off. And so you go, cause like the bunionectomy, they're, they're chopping off half your joint. That bunion is the bone from the metatarsal of the, the fourth foot to it's sticking out. So they basically just go in and chopping the half that off. Hmm. Like if you've got shoulder pain. You don't go and get shoulder surgery to chop half your joint off. That is so funny because it's like you know what makes what what seems like it's common sense in one area is just illogical when you apply it to another area <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the body is exactly the same wherever you go you've got the same tissue muscles all of that it just needs to be treated the same and another big one is um carpal tunnel syndrome yep the amount of money they spend on surgery to you know release some tension around the wrist mm. when it's just a few tight muscles in your forearm yeah it's crazy because you're stuck at the desk all day doing all flexion, flexion, flexion. They have no idea how to get to extension. extension. And it's all the, the tissue in the month. Sorry, the tissue and muscle in the forearms. So this is where I'm starting to see the, the skills that you have. So you have the foot education piece with just educating people. Um, you help people to find the correct shoes. 
Then you also do some soft tissue work to ease the muscular discomfort that the person finds themselves in. And then you also do some strength training to encourage better posture. Like that's a pretty complete system, mate. Yeah, it works really well. That's why I love what I can do because working in between the clinic and the gym, you can really see the way people are moving and just notice what's going on. You can get mm. it up on the table and that it all works hand in hand. And when you can start to sell the journey for, for clients and that they just, they just feel so much better. And it's not like you're just trying to like do a shitload of things to improve them. It's just, no, we just need to change your shoes. We just need to sit down a bit, a bit less, make yeah. your life easier because the crazy stats behind just trying to stand up a lot more from sitting down is astronomical. Like there's so many benefits to it. Yeah. And like they're, they're even, you know, they're reporting now that sitting is worse than smoking. It can cause cancer more than standing up. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. And, and it's so damn simple. Like it's all about taking things away and not adding to the stresses and needs of the body. Cause we've already got too many stressful anxiety, all that going on in the body, you know, deadlines work, you name it. No one wants to do more. Mm. It's all about making it so damn simple. And that's the way it works, like, especially in the clinic. Like there's so many different names to so many different injuries, like opathies, itises, syndromes, you name it. Like you've got hip pain. Yeah, it might be a bursitis. It might be greater trutanka, bloody tendinopathy, whatever. No, well, your hip's just a little bit rotated forward where it shouldn't be. How about we just put it back where it wants and it'll sort itself out build strength mm. to keep it there. Mm. I don't need to tell you about all these crazy different names because you're just going to go home and Google that mm. and be told how long it's going to take you to improve, what you need to take drugs-wise, blah, blah, blah. And you're now labeled with that injury because I grew up labeled with shitty knees. Yeah. And, and then you buy into it. Totally. And it's, it ruins me. Even to this day, I struggle with that right. because people call me. Yeah. Um, so let's make it simple. Let's get your hip back in place. Let's get your shoulder back in the right position. Let's strengthen it with very simple stuff. It's not, you don't have to go lift a shit ton of weights in the gym. It's just awareness of certain muscles, getting the muscles pumping and aware and active. And then you just change a few habits at home and it's easy. It's really that simple. Interesting. Because this is, this is what I'm starting to understand with listening to you is that um, the body will look after itself. The body will self-manage itself. You know, we're not yeah. worried about the position of the knee or the hip or the ankle when we're playing our, our tennis or our golf or our football. You know, the body's naturally doing this. And it's like it's the limitations which are actually creating the dysfunction and the injuries. Mm. It will get back there if you let it. Yeah, right. Get out of its way. Totally. Yeah. Obstacles the way. And, um, you know, I'm not here to fix people. I can't, if you're on the table, I can't fix you. I will help facilitate you on the right journey. Because too many people think they need to go to a therapist, physio, car, whatever to fix them. Mm. No, I'll help you get into a better position, but you could come see me week after week after week. But if you're not changing any habits at home, mm. we're just firing up, get uphill battle. Like, 
Nothing's ever going to change. So, so you're not necessarily selling a session. You're actually selling a journey for the person to be able to rediscover what their natural movement is so they actually end up seeing you less in the end and have no surgery. You just, that was the best thing I ever heard. I've never thought of that way before. Selling a journey. I like that. Sell a journey back to it, mate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And we're taught, like, again, you have back pain. You're taught, go to the GP. They're going to give you some anti inflammatories and Mm. their rest. Two of the worst things you can do. The whole ice thing, you know, the whole um, principle of um, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Yeah. That's been around for years. Like, I did it growing up with all my injuries. The guy who actually invented that analogy not long ago reneged on it and put his hand up saying, I was wrong. <laughs> ice, ice is not good for you. Like it's not good for soft tissue induced at all. Yes, it can help with recovery, but it's actually going to slow down the body's natural process of healing. Interesting. So it's taking things away. It's getting out your way. It's not going to the first drug or the first, yeah. you know, first therapist to, to stop you from doing anything like the last thing i want to do is tell people you can't do this yeah and exactly there's so many things labeled to each injury like a torn hamstring minimum 21 days yeah. minimum it was like well how do you know hmm. based on what at least but exactly based on what like one of the best stories i heard um from a podiatrist friend of mine his daughter fell off a stool and dislocated her um her shoulder, like, a, yeah, snapped the clavicle, the um, collarbone. And, but within three weeks, she was swinging back on the uh, monkey bars because Whoa. no one had told her how long it's supposed to take. Yeah. The week prior, she tried it. Oh, no, ow, that hurts. Don't do it. You learned. I'm not going to do that again. I'll try. Oh, now it doesn't hurt. The problem with us as adults is we need to be told how long do I need to rest? What do I need to do? What's this yeah. program? there's like i never give an exact amount of time because everybody is different everybody Mm. recovers everybody's nutrition is different the hydration your movement your function everything your sleep and stress so much exactly exactly and that's going to determine how quickly you're going to heal so i Mm. can't give you a timeline if you want it quicker that's on you totally actually actually, there's a great analogy that i heard once it's like there's this guy that's super motivated to learn a black belt and he goes to the master and he goes, hey, master, how long to learn a back belt? And he goes, four years. And he goes, what if I get here really early and I practice really hard? How long will it take? And he goes, eight. <laughs> <laughs> like patience, yeah. patience. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so like people just want that quick fix. Mm. They want that. So, so where do people start with all this stuff? Like where, the, where do they start? I think it's just um, general awareness. Like they need to want to improve to start with because I've hit my head against the wall so many times trying to explain to people. Um, like great example, I've joined a few like plantar fasciitis groups on Facebook just to try and help people, but they're just so closed-minded that they don't want to hear you. They don't want to have to put work in. Like you can help someone every single day, like free of charge as much as you want, but if they're not willing to want to put the work in, it's just a waste of time. Gee, that's a that's a brilliant point. One of my mentors, David Hawkins, I've I've mentioned it to you before in the past, just uh, speaking privately. But um, Hawkins has this map of consciousness, and there's desire, which is like a catabolic. I want, I want, I want. Uh, but then there's an anabolic word, willingness. I'm willing to. 
So in this instance, I want to change good versus I'm willing to do what's necessary to change. Yeah, completely different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So like you can get some of the greatest clients will be with you for a long time because they want to be. Yeah. And like you're excited to see them come back to see what their progression is. Whereas there's mm. other clients just who they know they're coming back for another treatment. So they don't need to kind of do the work. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and you can see the difference. Like you can see the journey they go on, like the two different journeys completely. And yeah. it's unfortunately too many people are just consistently getting injured and, and have these problems again and again, because we, we get, you know, they're here before they get injured, then they go down. Mm. We get them back to here, but then the real journey and work starts when we get back to here because they want to be back up here. Mm. Whereas most people, they get back to there and they're down there, up there, yeah. down there, up there. Because yeah. you got injured in the first place because you're already here. We need to get you here. Yes. And I'll say the real work starts once the pain is gone. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. It's like, yeah, I don't need you anymore. Hang on a sec. We up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and it's a big thing that shifted in, in my um, practice not long ago was I was always trying to fix people within three sessions. Mm. And that's what I wanted to do. And I felt like I was doing it, but yep. it wasn't the best business model because I was just losing people until I really, I clicked. It was actually in lockdown last year yep. that everybody needs something to work on. And yeah. it's, it's again, it's the journey. It's just like um, every six months, you, um, you get your teeth checked or your car gets a service like human bodies need that so it's not about trying to fix you i stopped trying to fix people he's trying to get you on the right path for the journey to only not need me but have me there every four weeks every six weeks just again help push you further along and it completely changed everything see and i love the idea of that too because then all of a sudden instead of um like you're actually part of you know, the team to help us. You're part of the team to assist me in my journey through life. Like, you know, I, I ask people, um, you know, what, what the meaning of life is. And, and for me, it's like the meaning of life is to, is to experience emotions and, and to feel as, as happy as we possibly can. And it's like, it's so much easier to do that when your body's working well. Oh, 100%. And the thing is, again, what we do, the normal thing we do is like we work our asses off for 40 plus years till we're 65, 70, then we retire with this broken down body. Yep. Then we have the freedom to start yep. doing stuff we want to do. And you can't use the body. Like you can't travel because you can't get on a plane or you can't walk that far. Yeah, exactly. Who wants that? Who wants to wait till they're 65 to start doing that shit? Like I want to be lifting weights above my head till I'm 100 years old. And it starts now. It starts as soon as you possibly can because a lot of people, oh, no, it's not too late because the body knows no age. It will always adapt and respond. You just got to start. Just got to move. That's that's huge because it's like it should still be a possibility. You want to, We want to have it to be a choice as opposed to, no, I cannot because I'm busted. Yeah, like how, how many... I know from myself for injuries, how many times I've been disappointed to miss out on certain things because I can't because of this injury. And it's horrible. It's devastating. And you want to be able to do that as, for, as, long, as, you, as long as you can. Like Going back to Kelly Starrett, I think I heard him say once that our joints are designed to last till we're 120 years old. No one gets there, of course. Is that right? Apparently, yeah. 
and like you go back to the whole um osteoarthritis thing like it's called just the wear and tear of my joints like no it's the absolute opposite it's degenerating because you're not bloody using it the brain's just or you, or you are using it but you're using it in such a restricted range of motion or a shitty range of motion that it's like no wonder your tires are wearing out because they're not pointing straight exactly yes yes uh, like we are all designed to hit these awesome crazy positions all kinds all over the place but the body tends to get injured in the places we don't train or the places we don't move so people hurt their shoulders when they start going overhead um well because they're never there the brain's like oh this is a new thing yeah. let's try this out and it's like why why waste excess energy in a position that i don't need if i'm not going to use it you will lose it like yeah, and your strong position is sat down at a desk all day long. Let's stay there. Huh. So and then as soon as you stand up, that's why sometimes the first 10, 15, 20 steps for a person is so painful because they're still in the sit-down posture. Exactly, yeah. And like you think a lot of people with their pain, where do they feel the pain the most? In the mornings after they've got out of bed. The human being isn't designed to sleep on a mattress. Like backing what kind of gallery days cavern days we didn't have mattresses we didn't have chairs we didn't have sofas yeah um yeah. My, my brother and sister-in-law actually don't have a bed they sleep on the floor like little cushions yeah. mats on the floor of course but i think they were crazy for doing it. i totally respect them for it i don't think i could ever <laughs> do it but i get it um so it's the same thing with shoes like in chairs like we're supporting our body more than it needs to like it's designed to support itself but we just don't do it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so so where do people start? Well, if you've got a big, massive cushion, you've had that for ages, start by just, just slightly narrowing it down so you have a, a slightly less heel and also look for a shoe that's nice and wide at the toes. That'd be a good place to start. But best best analogy to start with with shoes is you've got to think of WTF feet. So what, what the F feet? Okay. Wide, yep. wide at the toe box. Yep thin so yeah. no more than three to five mil thick flat no heel raise yep and then flexible so the the shoe can actually articulate so what what the f feet is the analogy okay cool i like that yeah and the cool thing is like if you've if you're so used to walk around with a cushion shoe cushion heel all that you can still get away with going straight to a barefoot shoes if you're just walking Yes, it's going to be a bit sore, but that, again, this is where the awareness and in being in tune when your body comes in because you're going to be sore after the first day. Then you've got to look after your feet. You've got to roll out the tissue. You've got to roll your calves to recover from the kind of this workout you've just done because every time you kind of barefoot, middle of a shoe, you're having a workout for your feet. Um, but the, the more you can become aware of it, because a lot of people, like I said, with the running in the past, they've gone just not zero to 100 straight away. I always advise people to address their most common pair of shoes, which is their work shoe, their dress shoe, their casual shoe, not their running shoes, not their gym shoes. That can work out later on. Right. Work your way into it. Yeah. But walking around is not going to kill you in a barefoot shoe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the point is get to a point, get to a, get to a stage where you feel comfortable, but it's once again, not overusing gradually get back into it. It's taken you X number of years to get to this stage. It's okay if it takes a little bit of time. Don't try and do it in a week. Yeah. Learn about your body. Like I say, we are so disconnected from our body. It's, it's a crime. 
we've got this magnificent piece of machinery in our, our whole body and we just don't know how to use it. We're always waiting for someone else to tell us what to do. What do I eat? What do I need to do at the gym? How do I sleep? Work it out. No one knows you better than you. And then you can bring That's it all so back. To the, you can all bring it back to the psychological side of things is the proven life. If you're not connected to your body, you're actually a little bit more depressed. You're actually a little bit more anxious because you don't know how to use your body. You don't know how to connect with your breath. And as you know, breath is just so important to freaking everything. Actually, that's, um, that's really interesting because you look at when a person's depressed, they've got that hunched overlook. And it's like, well, that's yeah. just a standing version of sitting at a desk, isn't it? And it's like, is, exactly. it, is it the posture that creates the emotion or the emotion that creates the posture? Probably yes in, in many situations. Both ways. Both ways, yeah. Yeah, like the body will tell you so much about someone just by looking at them. Like posture's huge. And just knowing what to do with the body is just paramount in everything we do everything and that's where like it starts with the feet because you can feel the ground you can feel the feet you can feel the legs feel the glutes feel everything just by touching mother nature and where do we have the most contact with earth through our feet exactly yep they were yeah. designed for us to take the load yeah interesting okay so so we've got so people can look for a better shoe and then and then from a would you then go soft tissue first or training Oh, you can either do both because the beauty of um, kind of functional type of training is that it brings out your weaknesses. Okay. Like you go into a class or a gym or anything, you're trying to squat, but you can't squat. Okay, like, all right, why, why can't we squat here? There's got to be so It brings out the restrictions. Whereas wow. too many people are going to just these globo gyms and just doing the machines, which allow you to get away with poor technique. Whereas if you've got yeah. pick up a sandbag and squat or do a kettlebell swing, learning how to hinge, without these machines doing it for you, like that's going to bring out the discrepancies. That's going to bring out restrictions and mobility or strength or just a weakness in that. So you can work either way, but then also it helps to start with soft tissue or some kind of assessment to see, okay, what do we need to work on first to allow you to do this? So there's no right or wrong way starting either each. Yeah, interesting. And, and I guess too, it's uh, you want to make sure you're doing a movement pattern well first before you load it with excess weight or lots of repetitions exactly yeah because yeah it's so many times from a lot of poor coaches out there oh that looked good let's let's put more weight on but if you can't do a simple body weight squat with good form you know no pain you have no right to put a barbell on your back if you if you can't stabilize something above your head with just you know one kilo yep. anything Again, you have no right to put a barbell overhead. But it's just what we do. It's what we do. We have to move. We have to. People don't want that long, arduous road to become strong. They want to be strong tomorrow. Where's that magic pill? Yeah. How hard is it to build strength? It's freaking impossible. It takes long sweat, blood, and years, mm. not tears, years. Yeah. That is so true. So, as a, because you're a myotherapist as well, as a, as a myotherapist, what, you know what's a traditional injury that you see these days or, or what are the most common injuries or, or treatments that people require these days two probably most common is lower back and shoulder neck and i would say 80 percent of my clients are sedentary desk workers yeah right and you can come back to again 90 percent of the clients probably have no idea how to use their glutes yeah and are just 
flex forward. No, no idea how to use their pecs, which is pretty mm. much the glutes, the glutes of the shoulder. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then you get the odd knee injury, foot injury, wrist, uh, elbow, but you can all, that all comes back to the same thing. Like one of the biggest assessment tools I do is just single leg balance. Can you balance on one leg for one minute? Most people yeah, can't. So where's the, where's the leg that's not on the floor? Where's that? Do you have your hip at 90 degrees, 90 degrees or just off the floor? Just off the floor. I mean, okay. so there's a people like just, can you stand on this leg for one minute and then swap over? Totally. Cause again, you go to the elderly population. What's one of the biggest risks of being old falling over, hitting <laughs> your head, breaking your, your pants head. on. <laughs> exactly. So, and cause they've been in shoes the longest and they have yeah. no stability, no awareness, no balance. Balance can, I hate to say it, but save your life. <laughs> it's so funny, but true. Yep. Yep. And so I just do a simple assessment, right? Can you, can you stand on one foot on a flat surface in a safe environment for one minute? Not many people can. Interesting. Interesting. And then, and then from a, from a, like a strength perspective, where do you think most people would get the most benefit or bang for the buck? Oh, I think it's just going back to more functional movements, but I prescribe single leg stability work to so many people, like even yeah. just simply getting on a balance beam and, and then you're working more unilateral. So doing your split squats, doing your lunges and that, because everybody mm. is just training squats, deadlifts, two feet, two feet. When mm. 80% of walking is single legged, a hundred percent of running is single legged. Yeah. So if you've got a discrepancy between one side or the other, like you're doing yourself a disservice. And like I say to a lot of people when I am um, doing the running coaching is if you can't balance on one leg for one minute, ideally you shouldn't be running. You're putting yourself, <laughs> you know, no one stops running, of course, because, yeah. but it's, it's an assess, it's a screening tool. Like mm. you need to, be able to do this. Mm. Like, do you pull up sore on your glutes for running? No. Well, you're not running properly. <laughs> Is that a fact? Like, so, so running efficiently, you're engaging your glutes that much. You, you could get some muscle soreness there. Totally. You need you to be able to. Yeah. Because most people will pull up sore in their calves or their quads or the lower back. So <laughs> runners will, most runners will go get their calves. Yeah. You'll get your calves <laughs> out week after week. I'll just go run again. Like, well, yeah. there's got to be reason why those calves keep jamming up. Interesting. So then what we do is we rest until they're better. Then we start off slower and slowly build in without doing any sort of biomechanical, uh, you know, tests or improvements. Yep. And just see how it goes and say, she'll be right. And end up with the same shit again, again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Trying to put a, what, a round, um, what was it? A round tube. We're picking a round hole. hole. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Interesting. So um, who's, who from a learning perspective has inspired you in your journey, mate? Oh, good question. I think it was really Kelly Starrett. Yeah. Um, when I first got into the functional side of training and CrossFit, he was a big influence. Like I watched every single one of his um, daily videos for the first year. Right. Um, he was, yeah, he was the number one and still to this day. And then I had a great mentor in Canberra, of my clinic he taught me a lot of how to treat and all that and it's basically just going down my own journey like mm. through social media and just courses here there and um just learning from so many different people i actually can't think of anybody really comes to mind no, that's cool and uh, but i think that's down. a great point though like you know be on your own journey like like the foot journey it's not a one-size-fits-all do what indicates and what resonates with you 
Yeah, and the biggest thing for me, because I've had so many so many injuries myself, where it's knees, feet, shoulders, mm. lower back, and like I've had to learn myself. Mm. I've been most injuries that come into the clinic I've had, so I've had the experience. Yeah. Um, and then when I got into the the foot side of thing, that was through the Foot Collective. That's actually probably another one out there. Um, that's what really opened up my eyes to the importance of the feet. Okay. Um, and that's what I've gone into my journey of building the feet becoming mm. a foot nerd and all that and yep. you know building that professional foot fetish to um, really <laughs> help people on that and the, the fact now that i um sell the vivo barefoot shoes it's just great like it's such i mean i've loved shoes my whole life and um mm. who doesn't love shoes and being able to sell them is such a cool little perk on the side and doing it in a way that adds value to your life but also to theirs yeah, totally. And I always find it funny when I'm explaining it to new clients. Like, I, I'm not trying to sell you a pair of shoes here. Like, I'm not a salesman. Yeah. But this is going to help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to um, distinct the two apart. Yeah, interesting. So do you have any favorite quotes? Um, I like the... I've got a... Yeah, the, I've got a tattoo on my um, arm. It's just a basically... Oh, yeah. um, an arrow is the whole analogy of when you're going through shit, you're being pulled back through shit and you release the arrow fires you through. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a big mantra of mine. Um, and uh, I can't, I don't, I can't quote it, but there was in, um, in the movie coach Carter is like, we are, Oh, what is it? It's not that we are, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. Because, and it's just, it, it relates to the body so much. Like we don't know the potential of our bodies. Like, do you know how strong you can get? Do you know how fast you can get? We don't know it because we're not open to it. But we're so scared of injury, breaking down, fear, that it stops us from reaching that potential. That is so true. In fact, I've just done a quick Google search. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Yeah, we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, courageous, uh, or gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Yeah, and we're we're so afraid of that. We're afraid of being better. Mm. We want to be better, but it's that fear of failing because mm. we're taught failure is wrong you can't yeah. fail yeah but how do you learn with your body like in the gym how do you learn you fail yeah how do you learn anything you fail well and that's the thing is that generally speaking it's like you know we we get that paralysis by analysis and we end up not doing a whole bunch because we're you know we're, we're intimidated or we're scared when you know realistically you know success or successing isn't a straight line it's it's a it's a continuation or it's a it's, it's a series of learned opportunities where you suck and get better. Totally. Yeah. You look at all the top athletes. They've all got these stories and quotes and stuff of like mm. government adversity and stuff. And it's, it's just putting yourself out there, mm. being the man in the arena and you know. not caring what other people think of you. Yeah. That's huge. Cause one of the things for me, it's like, um, you know, I, I look at as a father and, and, you know, my kids and it's like, what advice would I give them? And it's realistically what's in your heart, you know, what do you love doing? How can we yeah. find a way of, of helping you to do that in your life? And, and, 
and then just be the best version of that for you as you possibly can be and do it to your best. Totally. Yep. hundred percent. Love that. Mm. Yeah. Too too many kids today are told, do this. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, how do these kids know? They don't know. Let them work that out. Yeah. They'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And uh, what do you think the, uh, the meaning of life is, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. I just think enjoying the journey yeah, with, with your closest friends and family, like just because mm. I know myself, like I'm very empathetic and love being around people and being happy around people. And it's just experiencing adventures and experiences with others. Mm. Like I'm always better around people, mm-hmm. much more fun around people. And yeah, just, just like say, do the things you love. That like I don't think there's a proper meaning of life, or there's something we've all got to do. It's just enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I really really like that. Um, and is there any any books that you love, or, or books that you've read more than once? Oh, there was one by Brene Brown. Um, oh, what is it? She's got a few now. One of those dare to lead, not that one, but um, I can't remember the exact one. But it it was just all about just courage, being vulnerable. um, Power of vulnerability, dare to lead. Was it dare to lead? Let me, I've got to find it because it's bloody awesome. Um, (laughs) Brene you can learn so much from a person's journey just with what they've discovered and you know had the had the the courage to put in a in a format to read yeah for sure i think it was dare to lead actually yeah dare to lead like just be vulnerable like put yourself in there and good things will happen because we're just so taught we're taught to be small don't don't rock the boat Mm. but all this success in life and people like that happens with vulnerability. Mm. It's happens like going out on, on the line and just doing what you can and just trying to find that clutch moment. And it will happen if you put it out there more often. Yeah. Whereas I know in the past I've just been kept it all in and not really finding your potential because you're so, so scared of failure and it's what you're taught. Like it's what will grow with like the social and conditioning side of things. Like don't, be awesome like learn this get this job earn this money and just live like nah there's so much more to than just sitting at home and paying bills 40 years later then you can enjoy yourself in a body that's busted (laughs) yeah screw that like no way absolutely no way like why can't we do that now like why do we have to spend all our time spending like earning money that we're just going to spend on crappy stuff yeah and instead of experience and just think like i've always hear of like don't be on your deathbed and have regrets because so many people on the deathbeds have regrets like why didn't they do that why you know why didn't you go and approach that girl in the mall that day why didn't you take that job why didn't you go on that trip and who wants regrets oh a hundred percent i love that because then all of a sudden it's like you know they may say yes you know you, you may get an experience that you haven't had before totally like I think the first time i ever properly walked up to a girl in the middle of a mall she said yes. <laughs> Three years later, she broke my heart, but it was 
three of the best years of my life, you know, one yeah. of the best situations I've ever been. There's still a story I tell to this day because I had the biggest cojones that day just to walk yeah. up to her. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, your goals or dreams moving forwards, what's, uh, what's, what's on the horizon for you, mate? Well, once we're out of this silly situation with the whole pandemic, like I just want to keep building the clinic, build that. Because you're in Melbourne in full lockdown, aren't you? Yeah, when we're pretty much now, like the clinic will probably not be open now for another six months. Sorry, not months, weeks minimum. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's oh, is what it is. Just doing what I can do. Um, but once we're through this, yeah, it's, it's getting people educated, empowering themselves to start using the body this way it's designed and try. I, I kind of want to get away from that one-on-one stuff as a little bit more to then start doing more educational side of things and um, just reaching more outside of my local area because yeah. that is all I can do at the moment, you know, being more, more of a presence online and building online systems and that's to, to really start getting this stuff out there because it's just missing so much with the general population. Um, like everybody wears shoes. Why can't we get everybody in a barefoot pair of shoes? See, this um, is really interesting. It's like I've been studying, you know, health and well-being for 25 years. And man, you've taught me so much today just on, you know, <laughs> WTF feet and just, you know, that sort of stuff. It's insane. And again, yeah, it is, that's great to hear. And it's just, it's simple stuff that we're not taught. Yeah, agree. And, and I always think the simplest things are always the best and most profound, hey? Yep. And like, it's the same like in the gym, like a workout, that looks so simple on the whiteboard is probably the worst workout you're ever going to do compared to the most complicated ones. Oh, that yeah. wasn't too bad. Yeah. But it's like two movements, a couple of minutes, it will screw you over. <laughs> so yes, simple is best and you just can't beat that. And like, I just want to help as much people use their bodies the way it's designed and enjoy themselves and enjoy the journey myself at the same time and open up space for me to then start enjoying and being free with travel and all that yeah and see i love the idea of that as well it's like you know how you choose to express yourself in your life that's on you um you know your your role in in this life is to educate people so they can you know have greater access to abilities within their body so that they can express that in whichever way they want to yeah and like like one actually one of my favorite quotes is like your body is your vehicle to experience the world yeah cool and so go and experience it. Mm. Don't let the body stop you. And like that, again, that's on you. Like you've got one body. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You may be able to get a bit of surgery here and there, prosthetic knee, prosthetic leg, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And even when it is, what are you going to do about it? And even when you have that surgery, how are you going to make the most out of that? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it all comes back to you mm. if you want it or not. And like I say, I'm here to help. Yep. But I'm on my own journey as well and people are helping me. So it's just a whole network of helping each other. That's it. And I think we need to get more, uh, you know, back to that in a greater way. How are you staying positive down there in COVID? Um, I really, like, I'm not in the worst situation compared to a lot of others. So I'm okay. Like the clinic's good because I'm getting the financial aid from the government, which has paid its job. And, I'm keeping myself busy. Like he's, I'm using this time because I've had what we've been in lockdown this time around this 
oh, five, six weeks now. And yep. I'm making the most of the time. I'm not sitting at home doing, you know, sitting down watching Netflix, which I'm watching a lot, but I'm yep. making the most of it. I'm trying to stay busy and I'm using this as an opportunity to help build the business that I couldn't do whilst I'm working. Exactly. So there's a reason why I've got this time and I'm making sure I make the most of it because I remember like the first few weeks of each lockdown, you just like, oh, this is shit. Can't do anything. Can't go anywhere. But this is, it's happening for a reason. So like use this to my best ability and like educate myself, invest in myself, mm. and just yeah. use, use it because I'm not going to get this time back again. Like once I'm back at work, I'm full on. Yes. So if I don't use this, I'll be pissed off for myself and yeah. it's slowly getting there. So yeah, like don't be wrong. The, the situation is shit and there's a lot of people in shit situations worse than me. But once again, make the good. most of it. Yeah. And you got to, because you there's the kind of the pattern that's come out of these lockdowns is there's, there's two people who like come out of it. Like you go one way where you've been positive, you used a good, good time. And then the other one has just been the victim. Oh, I can't do this. Can't do that. We're all yeah. in the same body, bro. Yeah. Um, so get the best out of it you can. Like there's no point in complaining too much because there's not much we can do about it. Exactly. Exactly. I have to tell you a funny story, Mick. My daughter hates wearing shoes. <laughs> Love it. And and as a as a good as a good parent, you know, what have I been doing? Smashing her foot on. into a pair of shoes. Whereas now yep. that's gonna you know, change to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, well, the cool thing is like the Vivos, they do some really cool kids ranges now. Um, really? Yeah, they do. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the link. Um, yeah, cool. But the thing with most barefoot shoes now as well, they are getting better looking, whereas over the mm. years, they've been pretty damn ugly. <laughs> um, and again, it comes like, even though I know all the benefits of the barefoot shoes, I still want a good looking shoe. Yeah, exactly um because some of them still out there are ugly as anything like again going back to the the vibrant five fingers like i will never be seen dead in a pair of them <laughs> well the funny thing is we wear gloves that look yeah. like our hands but we don't wear shoes that look like our feet like feet are just known to be ugly and smelly and disgusting and the only reason that they are like that is because they're stuck in shoes the only reason your shoes your feet smell is because you wear shoes well, and that's the thing too, is it's like, you know, there's, there's probably not the right ventilation and, <sighs> you know, and we've worn the same pair of shoes for so bloody long and whatever else. Yeah. You add in socks then like you're in the gym or walking around and like you're getting sweaty. Like where's all that sweat going to go? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a disgusting thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, um, so moving, moving forward for people, ideally it's like, uh you know look at transitioning into a thinner pair of shoes particularly you know uh thinner soles wider toes uh look at getting some some soft tissue work done and also look at you know improving some strength and range of motions that's it there's not much more to that but the, the thing is you got to enjoy it you got to enjoy the journey because otherwise you can do all the exercises all the movements, strength stuff but if you don't do it with the right intent mm. it's never going to change and that's it. You know, what's the, do you love it? Yeah. And most people unfortunately don't. So then to learn how to, because mm. once you start seeing those changes and results, like it doesn't become addictive. And again, it just comes back to that simple intent of the exercise. Like you can just sit there and 
on the sofa and tried to roll out the bottom of your feet. But yeah, yeah. It, the intent, like it's it's like approaching the barbell, like you're trying to clean 100 kilos or snatch 100 kilos. You've got to treat, even if it's 20 kilos, 100 kilos, you've got to treat it exactly like it's the hardest lift you're ever going to do. Because the intent. Respect, hey. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, mate, thank you very much for the chat today. It's been brilliant. Yeah, great. Loved it. Thank you very much. It's um, And it's amazing, like you said, how simple it actually is to just have a few different principles that are so enlightening. But if you're never taught, you never know. Totally. Yeah. We're just uneducated. And so that we just need to become more educated and find out what works best for your body. It's not yeah, the same for everyone. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, mate. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up soon. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I pray you've got something out of it and may we all find better ways to use our body and to experience more in our life. Whatever you're doing, hope you're having fun doing it and may you be putting a smile on yours and everyone else's face. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.